Hello, I'm Terry Simmons, and you're listening to KTVS 3's Doc Talk. This is the place to be to hear informative, forward-thinking, solution-based discussions about what contributes to our mental health and our overall well-being. And you can download a new episode every Wednesday morning wherever you listen to podcasts. And joining us today is Dr. Katherine Vanderloos. We're going to be talking some more about menopause, mental health, um, everything that contributes to that. And this time I think we're gonna be talking about moving forward, the things we can do to get out ahead of mental health, how it affects menopause, how menopause affects mental health. And as always, thank you so much for being oh, here, Dr. Welcome. Vanderloos. Thank you. Oh, we really appreciate this. Thank Thanks. you for wanting to, for giving us your time and for coming back again. We have a few other episodes out yep. there. I hope there'll be several more. Great. Um, and so let's talk about this time about how to get out ahead of it, like we said, how we can stay kind of forward thinking, realize it as our mental health, things that we've always known, but now to kind of emphasize. Well, I think some of it is just kind of being aware of your own self and uh, what's happening in your world. Um, if there are changes, you know, try to focus a little bit. I think the, the mindful meditation things, and not everybody can sit and do all, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, but even five or 10 minutes um, to focus and say, what is it that's different or bothering me? Um, what, what is not where I want it to be? Where did I want to be and it's not there? I think that's a big part too. Um, because you get busy with family and life and you're the last on the list because that's what you do. That's what women do. Um, so I think if people are not sleeping well, um, you know, everyone talks about weight gain, which is the frustration of everybody and society even. But um, our bodies change as we start to go through menopause. And uh, prior to uh, menopause, you know, the, we, we have fat around the periphery, outer parts of us, because we're feeding babies and growing babies. And then when we don't have our hormones, somehow that body knows it and it goes central, and which is very bad for us, because then our risk of heart disease goes with the guys, and that's not one of the things we want. So I think guarding against that a little bit, although it's very difficult to do. Um, you, I myself lost weight twice because I just thought whatever I'm weighing when I'm 50 is where I'm going to be. And somehow I came up with that idea. And, um, but it sneaks back up on you. And then, of course, mom told us, you, you can't eat like you used to. You'll, you just won't do it. And, and of course, she was right. So mom's right again. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And let's do talk about, um, well, I do a lot of work, as you, you do too. We talk about mindfulness and meditation mm -hmm. and how important our words are by calling it mental health, not mental illness, even though it is an illness to be treated if we have mental illness. Separate of menopause and everything else, we need to give that the credit that it is. But also to talk about mental health and tell ourselves mental health. We're working toward what's going right. Well, I think that's important. I think it's also important. I don't like the word disease or illness either one, because most of the time it's just a different stage that you're in, and um, most people go through it, but everybody goes through it differently. So, um, you know, I have patients and I say, well, I think, you know, the periods are getting a little lighter and, and you're starting to have some hot flashes, maybe you're starting to peek in the window of menopause, and they look so disappointed. And so I think what I do is I tell them, no, no, it's very liberating. You know, I'd really, because I think it is, and especially when it's going to be a third of our life, because if we live to 90, we've outlived our ovaries 30 or 40 years. That's mm. a big deal. And it's a big, um, different medical deal, I think. So, um, so I think, you know, preparing yourself, focusing, um, and you should be allowed to do it. Um, and I think some of the, all the equipment, all the phone time we have and stuff like that, it can be productive, but it can be very negative. 
and you know FaceTime is notorious for showing all the happy happy trips that they're taking and and why can't you do that why can't you get away all that kind of reason and in fact no they're having the same stuff you're having they're just not showing it and so too much of the screen time now I've found little apps for um, oh I'm sorry that's my phone ringing uh, you get it? <laughs> It'll stop. Okay. It's very pleasant, though. It's it is. It's crickets. You know? uh, now I forgot where I was. Um, <laughs> a lot of FaceTime. It's okay oh, to have yes. FaceTime and screen time. So I, I didn't plan that. The apps, I have a sweet app that's it's, um, a meditation, and it's five minutes. Yes. And all you do is sit there in the quiet and preferably in the dark, and you're just thinking about yourself, and they talk you through and it's the most pleasant five minutes you can spend. And I, get, I think it calms down the nerve endings because you know all these things are happening in the world, um, because now we know everything in the world thanks to the TVs, um, which was not, it's not a bad thing because we needed to know what's happening and even now we don't know the, all the bad things. But we need to be able to help and so, um, but you can internalize it and it just, and it really is terrible. I mean, it can inter you know interfere with your sleep. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. It's okay. It's like perfect timing. If you need to get it, you can. It's like no. Dr. Angelus, this is like real life. Um, but actually, it's like pleasant. And like, are you sure you didn't cue that up? Because it's it right sure when we came needed. in just what you needed. Yeah, relaxing. This is evidence that if you just find oh, just find just, some crickets, just listen to yes. it for a few minutes. Actually. Well, actually, it goes back to, to how I chose that. Is there was a McDonald's toy when my kids were small that you got, and it was a little cricket, and uh -huh. you could flip its wing and it would make the sound and I kept it in my pocket and when I'd be go walking around the malls with my teenagers I'd flip the cricket yeah. and they would just have this horrible look on their face it was so fun it was See, one of that the little, was joyful for it you was joyful and for healthy me. because you, it, it, yes it raised your vibration I love that you flipped the cricket I mean, yes, I to use that it term. was it's a good one it's flip a good the cricket one next time I need to go and I do I'm a big proponent of um, meditation I'm a meditation mm -hmm. teacher I've been doing it myself every morning for over 20 years mm -hmm. Uh, and there's all other things out there too. EFT. I'm a tapping practitioner. Right. Where we do tapping and mm -hmm. emotional freedom techniques. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things out there. Well, and all the different kinds of yogas. Yes, that's yoga. just awesome. And that gives you a lot of physical. It's actually a lot of physical work. Mm -hmm. It's like flexibility, which we all start to lose. And um, so I think having those things. Now you have to dedicate a little time. Yes. And you know, of course, when my family was younger, my time was 4:30 in the morning. Well. You just got up and did. You know that was my time. Me too. And so, if we went on a trip and I slept in, which I never did, they they checked my breathing. <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> that's right. But I think you know that's part of it, and that's part of just good mental health is kind of stopping and saying, what is it that's what is it that's really bothering me? Is it something that I need to really worry about and get going and do something? Or and I also talk about breaking things into little pieces and attacking one thing at a time. It's much easier to do a quarter of something than the whole thing if it's really wearing you down. And I think that treating menopause is kind of doing that too. Because if you just have a few symptoms and it's not bothersome, you know, that's okay. But if, if things are starting to bother you or really are bothering you but you didn't think about it being menopause, treating that can make a difference. I mean, just starting a little hormone and I always follow up in a few weeks one, because it makes the patient make sure she fills her prescription and takes some. Um, because, you know, people are famous for not needing a refill because they never filled it. Yeah, there's again two with. steps to getting yeah. that medication. Yeah, exactly. You have to take it. The most effective is the one that the patient can take. <laughs> so, but I follow up because I want to, I tell them, you know, my goal is to make sure this is, 
is working well for you, great, we picked well. Or if it's not, we have other options or we can add things or change things around. And I do that with antidepressants too. Mm. And I think, um, you know, not going to a pill for the first treatment, you know, working with counseling, um, many people already have counselors. I say make an appointment, you know, kind of thing. Um, or I'll have counselors call and say, I think she really needs some medication. And, you know, sometimes they, they know that patient better than I do in those cases. So um, I think being willing and aware that you can take these. Now, I feel that antidepressants, anti-anxiety, Paxil, for example, is approved in a much smaller dose for um, treating hot flashes. And so um, it takes longer. So you have to tell the patient it might be eight weeks you know, kind of thing. But it can work very well. And for my menopausal patients are breast cancer and, you know, they're really, their symptoms are really being exacerbated by their medications. That can make a big difference. Um, Celexa is another one I do for depression and it's been used for hot flashes. Um, and sometimes, you know, depression is just a time of life where things are changing, but then menopause makes it come out or makes it feel worse. Um, or they don't even think it's depression, they think it's just menopause. Well, so we start with one thing, and if, if it's more the sleep thing, we'll fix the sleep up. If you're still depressed, maybe you need something. So, um, and, you know, so I think that's how you can be proactive. Now the exercise thing, I was a big exerciser for a very long time. My daughter did CrossFit, so I followed along with her. It was kind of crazy. I didn't do anything like they did, but, um, but I thought I did more than most of my compared to it, so yeah. anyway, um, so I think that's a big deal, and as we get older, we know exercise is the one thing that is ha can reduce dementia the most, and that's the thing we fear the most, so yes. yeah, so it's a big deal, and so, you know, preparation, thinking about it, being thoughtful, you know, being a little aggressive if you need to be, but not, you know, but letting it go along if it's not, and some patients just drift off and say, you know, I never had any of those symptoms, and I'm like, that's great, I'm really pleased, but let's look at your bone density, let's look at some things that may be a risk since you're not on your hormones now, because the greatest bone loss is the first five years into menopause, and so that's why it's important to get a baseline bone density. Um, you have to check with your insurers, because not all of them, they all want to wait till you're 60 and by that time your five years has gone by quite a ways so if you already have loss well now you know maybe we could have started something sooner and saved saved a fracture yeah and that's that's the point of bone density tell oh. us again because i know back in the day you didn't really go get the it wasn't right, a routine because to get bone density it tests. wasn't because one we didn't have the machines yeah. then the machines oh. came along and we had to figure out slowly figure out one we had to learn bones are very slow so you don't do the you don't do comparison studies very close to each other. Um, if something is a little decreased, if it's abnormal, then you go down, you check it in two years. Mm -hmm. And if it's normal, you can wait a four years interval. Um, osteoporosis is where, if you're thinking of a building being built, you have the big mainframe girders, mm -hmm. and then you have the floors and walls. And osteoporosis, you start to lose your your floors and your walls, which are part of the structure and part of the support. And if you lose enough of it, your the girders start to crush in, and that's what a fracture is. So the first medications, and we still we still use them, was bones, you, you get new bone and it slowly goes away. And so the first medications block the bone from going away. And but we were concerned it's old bone, it's not new bone, is that gonna be good? Well, it was enough to decrease fracture rate, and that's huge. 
So now they've gone on to different ones. And of course, some of the medicines, side effects, you know, you can have stomach irritation, stuff like that. So, but science has marched on. So we have lots of different ones. We have Prolia that's just twice a year injectable. That's easy to take. I mean, their original bone medicines were a pill every day and you had to sit upright for an hour. So it wouldn't irritate really? your esophagus. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and we were excited when we only had to do it once a week. Yeah. You know, and then there was a once a month pill. So, so, and, and there are other ways. They've learned a lot more about bone health and bone function. So, but if I have someone who's having menopausal symptoms, I can tell her if she chooses to use estrogen or if we add testosterone, that's going to help with her, with her bone health. It's not an indication. If, because we have bone medicines, so we treat bones with bone medicine, but they will get some added attraction. Or if they're a new start and they're kind of borderline, because um, you can have bone loss called osteopenia before you get the actual porosis, which is where the walls collapse. Oh. And so if you're in that osteopenic and then we start some estrogen, many times you can see it come back up or just stabilize. And in bones, you have to be happy if it stabilizes. You may never get it back up, but you keep it from going down. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And tell us about the machine. What what happens at a bone density test? Is it like going well, through a tube, like an MRI yeah, kind well, of thing? Well, there's different machines. Oh. There's um, the big machines. I had one at one point because nobody had them. They didn't have them at the hospital. So we put one in my office. <laughs> you know, you're going to get her done, forward. Dr. <laughs> and so I thought one stop shopping. And then you find out down the road a few years, they can't can't do two things on the same day to be covered by insurance. So, oh, oh my God, okay. there, but by that time the hospital had one. So um, originally, I mean, it's a scanner. So they scan your lower back and your hip and try and try to and come up with a number. And it's not the number that means so much. It's the estimate of fracture by those numbers. And mainly oh. it's in white females. And that's where the studies were for a long time, because that's who fractured is white females. And so then they started doing them on younger people and everybody said, whoa, wait a minute, we don't even know if they have fracture rate and a number on a 20-year-old versus if you have the same number on a 60-year-old. You know, I mean, there's a lot of science and people have careers in bone medicine. So, um, you know, not everybody could have the big machine. So they had some peripheral ones. They would do the heel, they'll do the wrist. Sometimes they still do those if people have rods, you know, if they've had surgery on their backs oh, and they have rods or yeah. pins because the machine, you know, destroy the machine. <laughs> um, and then also the m machines, if you're over 300 pounds, you can't have a bone density. Okay. Uh, it's just not, a f if the machine doesn't like it. So they will try to do different things. So again, for that patient, it's a big deal. We've got to work on the weight because mm -hmm. one, I had one patient, we worked on weight loss just so she could get her bone density done. That mm. was our goal. Mm -hmm. And then she kept on going for other reasons, but it was one of those. And of course she, her all her joints felt so much better when she yes. lost weight. It mm -hmm. was huge. And of course, obesity, nobody has a clue how much obesity affects every body system. And so that's a whole new world, a whole big world, and we're just kind of tapping in on it. It really is. Mm -hmm. And it's also another thing that rolls into mental health too, with your it weight does. and the shame and the body shaming, and there just should be none of that. It's, yeah, it shouldn't be it allowed. It is something that, you know, go for help right. if you're uncomfortable. And right. plus you don't realize a lot of times everything that it is going to help, diseases mm -hmm. in your body or whatever right. is going on in your body, that will be eliminated with weight loss, things that well, happen so and, quickly. And I use that sometimes, especially if someone is starting to 
to look like they're becoming diabetic. Yes. And the, the threat of being on insulin is really a big mover. And sometimes I'll say, well, but we got to get with it and lose the weight because you may not, because the insulin resistance may not be there if we get your weight down and there's less fat cells doing that. And so, so you know, you just kind of have to pick your spots to focus on, but you can usually find one. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I always say we have to find a carrot to keep going. Mm -hmm. And is it um, a wedding in a year? Is it um, no insulin? Um, you know, all those kinds of things. Or just being able to move around. Because mm -hmm. once you weigh so much, your feet, your knees, everything starts having trouble. So um, it's a big overall thing. Yeah, and I think it's such a good focus. A good thing that we have always recognized in mental health. We always recognize that we need to pinpoint uh, things that will motivate or inspire someone mm -hmm. to do something. But the emphasis now, so as we recognize right. it, but now it's the emphasis is on individual again. If right. weight, low weight, or high weight mm -hmm. is something that might be interfering with your daily happiness and functioning in life, right. let's look at it instead mm -hmm. of just saying, you just need to drop the weight. Now it's different. It's really people saying, let's get that off. But you do have to find what is important to that person. Right. Like you said, you just exactly. keep going to the find. That that has to click. It's which a goes big deal. And I think also follow up too is yeah. a big deal. And so I see people every month, you know, I think if you're going to truly do intensive weight loss, you need to see them every day, uh, once a week or twice a week. And you have, you know, dietitians and all this stuff. And I mean, it's, it can work, but the reality is people are working and they have trouble making it once a month, mm -hmm. but we try to make it count. And so, um, you know, we weigh, we measure, we go through what's going on with the eating, but what's going on in your life too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and if your son came home from uh, Afghanistan for two weeks and you ate yourself through the South with him, you're not going to lose weight on that thing, but it was an important mental health thing. So, you know, so I think you always have to sit and look at it. Um, everything's multifactorial. There's, yes. It's never simple. Yeah. And it's really important to forgive yourself on those days. And it sounds like that's what happens. If someone comes, because I think that anybody's been on a weight program where they want the help, they're, they're uh, yes, I'll listen to you. Mm -hmm. I'll come in and get weight. I promise. And then that day where you know something happened and you maybe did go to food for comfort, you know you're going to weigh a little more. You didn't lose. You right. don't want to go in. You don't want to face the scale in front of right. other people. No one wants to go in. It's yeah. lovely when you go in and you've <laughs> lost a pound. Everybody's like, yay. But um, we have to really, those are the days we really need to say, that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And gaining one pound or two pounds or five pounds really quickly or on a day, or you, you're you blown off by, or if the number is right. really something that bothers you, you've got to let that be okay. Mm -hmm. Then just start start anew. You know what you need to do. It felt really good. It's progress, not well, perfection. Well, and I also tell people, you didn't gain it in, in a day. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's been over two years and you have to look at what was happening, was COVID, was this, was that, all things kind of changed. And so I think that's really important. But I think good sleep, sleep's a whole nother world. And it's and so, yeah, yeah it's, we don't realize yeah. really what that so means. So obesity is linked with sleep apnea. And if you've got a patient with fatigue that you've corrected her hormones and she's still really tired and she doesn't have anemia and her thyroid is fine, I get them to go to, to a sleep study. Yeah. And sometimes you can tell because they're overweight. But I've had thinner, not really thin people, but I've had, you know, modestly, slightly overweight people, but they had sleep apnea. And so if once, that's again, you wake yourself up so you never get into um, REM sleep. Yeah. And so it's a chronic fatigue that it was just, you can't go to work because you're so tired. And so, um, so, Again, correcting the hormones makes a difference, but correcting the weight, correcting the sleep, 
Um, I had one patient who the oxygen should be in the 90s, and when she did her little test, it was like in the 60s. And I mean, she really scared my poor sleep specialist. But she said, you know, she thanked me for sending her because she could go to the grocery store without having such fatigue, she couldn't stay and pay for the groceries. I mean, that's really, you know, life altering. Yes. And so, and let alone that she could have died, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So, um, you know, but I think, you know, always thinking about things, what's impacting what is really important. Yeah, that's the main thing. Just mm -hmm. pay attention. If mm -hmm. it's, and if it is impacting your daily life and your emotions, then go see about it. It's your well, life. And you find some little way to change things. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but some way, some, find some way. Now, I think the other is set a goal for yourself. And um, sometimes if it's a younger person, I say, where do you want to be in five years or 10 years? Mm -hmm. and, that and maybe the decisions you're making now may not be so easy, but if it's for the good goal, then it's worth putting up with some aggravation now. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that's kind of, and, and working with menopause, whether to take something or not, if it's really bothersome, you just don't want to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so we can get you through it. Most people stop having most of the symptoms, maybe by age 60, early 60s. But I have a few patients, even though we've got them on a lower dose, they still have sleep and hot flashes in their 80s. And so uh, there's been a big push to stop hormones um, in their 60s. And, you know, that was kind of initiated due to money as usual. Yeah. But um, the North American Menopause Society, which I'm a member, and actually some of the phone thing is my meetings are, are going on. Um, <laughs> so I'm watching them on the phone. <laughs> um, but they have actually a, a put out a statement and I looked back and it was in 2016. And they had a long list of yes, it's risk versus benefit. But if that it's still at the discretion of the patient and the physician. And if the patient's not having symptoms, we don't give it or we taper off and if they don't need it, they don't use it kind of mm -hmm. thing. But for the patients that do feel the need for it, um, as long as they're consented, which these ladies, they, they're not gonna give it up if they feel bad, you know. Right. And my patient that was in her early 80s, she told me I was gonna write at endless refills. So when she went to heaven, God was gonna fill her estrogen pills. <laughs> and I said, yes ma'am, she was, <laughs> she was about, she knew her body and she knew what made a difference. Right. Yeah individual again just Fair doing much. what makes a difference and let's revisit it because we talked about really like mindful eating exercise and sleep are three things that are really key to getting out ahead of it and feeling good menopause doesn't have to end anything it can be the beginning of something right. too it's a great way to look at it let's talk a little bit about we we touched on yoga and meditation and uh, other kinds of ways tapping talking things but all of these things might be like adding up in someone's mind like i don't know where to go for that i don't want to pay classes really walking just get out and move and i've always thought movement in your day creates movement exactly. in your life yeah because so, and just even walk. my physical physical therapy daughter says even just at your if you've got a desk job just stand up and sit down every hour yeah and that takes you out of the sedentary mm -hmm. um, section um, walking is wonderful and I think that's why we have to make sure we take care of our bones and our joints mm -hmm. um, but weight training is also important yes now it was very it was always very vague they would say weight-bearing exercises but nobody would ever define that <laughs> you know I was yeah. always well um, I use slow exercise and I've been using my guy for 25 years. Yeah. I started in my mid 40s. Mm -hmm. And of course, I was doing a lot of other exercise at the time, but it's slow exercise, it's nautilus, so you have your you have weight going up and weight coming down. Mm -hmm. And he 
does his little numbers. I don't even want to know what it is. But um, <clears throat> I go for 20, well, it's 20 to 30 minutes. It's really 15 to 20 minutes mm -hmm. um, once a week. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't encourage me to come any more than that. I kind of bugged him to do it for a little while, twice a week. And I didn't see as much progress. Yeah. And so, you know, that's another thing where it's really important because there's a lot less uh, uh, bone issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's tendon, there's, there's all the fibers stretch, all that kind of thing. But you mustn't hurt yourself. So if I have someone who has um, osteoporosis or even osteopenia, I, I want them to go to the PT people and learn how to do the exercises correctly. I don't want them to just go and lift some weight that's too much and they fracture themselves. Well, we've lost the whole show there. So I think it's really important to educate and do that. Um, and yeah, you don't have to sign up for classes. And like we said, you have the podcasts. Although being in a group makes a difference. It really does. It really Community does. matters too. I think that would be the yeah. fourth thing if I was gonna add something. Community. Yeah. Um, yes, some kind of community. You know, the classes. social, the socialist stuff, um, socializing, mm -hmm. and especially in older people, mm -hmm. um, because they need to get out of the house. Mm -hmm. But again, I think the podcast stuff really changed because that's what helped me get through COVID. And I just, I just started. I, I luckily found a couple of them that I totally loved. And I watched all 104 podcasts wow. of one of them. <laughs> but you know, it got, it made me feel like I was leaving the house, but I was safe. Yes. And I think the other part we always have to think about is safety, and that's anytime you take a medication, you want to make sure. And uh, with hormones, you want to make sure the patient's up to date on her mammograms. Most important. And uh, a lot of people are very good about doing it, but a lot of people don't do it so much. Or with COVID, we got off our schedule. Like I used to always do mine every March. Well, now I'm in December, and it's going to be January because <coughs> it has to be a year and a day for insurances. So. <laughs> um, so you want to make sure their mammograms are good because you don't want to, you know, estrogen does not cause breast cancer. That was a big thing that's come out over the years, but you don't want to feed breast cancer estrogen or testosterone, mainly estrogen. And so um, we're just, we hand them a, an order sheet. We really get tough sometimes. And um, every once in a while they slip through. And of course it's America, <laughs> but... <laughs> but I think that's an important thing. And then adding the bone density. And now people know to ask for the bone density. So mm -hmm. I think that's important. Um, so doing your screenings, colon cancer, now they've moved it down to 45. You know, and we even have something as simple as Cologuard. Which, you, know, you just get a box and you put something in there and send it off. And, and it, has, it really makes a big difference instead of being prepped and having to be a procedure kind of thing. So I think um, any of those things, you know, good screening makes a big difference. But I also think, you know, hormones can make a difference too. Right. And just paying attention to yourself. Know yourself, give yourself a break and mm -hmm. look for any kind of change and mm -hmm. go see about it. But walking, mindful eating, getting enough sleep, community, right. all of those things right to it. All so, are a big part of it. And to remember that menopause can be a new beginning for something really good. It's a good. new chapter it's really and it's chapter. very liberating. There yeah. you go. Liberating. That's what we need. All right. <laughs> Dr. B, thank you so much for being here again. We really appreciate it. Thank we'll you. We'll see you again next time. You come okay. back. We'll talk about sleep and all of those things more extensively. So yeah, be great. Exactly. All right. Thanks. Thank you again. And everyone, thank you for joining us. You can download a new episode of these discussions every other Wednesday morning, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will meet you right here next time on Doc Talk.